Hello and welcome to the Daily Reprieve, where we provide essays, speaker meetings, workshops, and conferences in podcast format. We are an ad-free podcast. If you enjoy listening, please help us be self-supporting by going to donate.thedailyreprieve.com and drop a dollar or two into the virtual basket. Please consider donating monthly by clicking the Donate Monthly button. However, one-time donations are always welcome. Just click the Donate Now button. Now, without further ado, this episode of The Daily Reprieve. The topic is recovery on family vacations, and uh, Mike C. is going to talk for about 10 minutes on that topic. Great. Thanks, Glenn. I'm Mike, recovering sexaholic. Hey, Mike. Everybody, glad I'm here sober today through God's grace and you people. And I, I kind of wondered how many people would, would come to this topic. I found it fascinating, and uh, it's the smallest crowd I've seen at anything here, which doesn't really surprise me. It seems sort of peripheral or not that you know central or something. Uh, but I came because I was just uh, curious about who would be here and. Uh, I've found it to be a fascinating part of my recovery. Um, so maybe I should talk about two parts of it. Um, one, you know, when I go on vacation, to me that's sort of sacred time. And it's a time apart from, you know, some people go on vacation and they call in to work every... When I go on vacation, I'm gone. And um, what I've needed to learn is... Yeah, I leave my work behind, I can leave my parents behind, I can leave my siblings behind, and all the stuff I worry about behind, but i got to bring my program with me. I have a tendency sometimes uh, to want to coast a little bit, or take a little bit easier, or skip going to meetings, which is really ironic, because when I actually go away out of town and call and connect and find a meeting, it's always just a blast. I always have a great time. But I'm always resistant to doing it. So one of the things that I've tried to learn to do, if I'm gone long enough that I'm going to really need a meeting, is make it the first thing I do when I get there. Um, is to, you know, either pick up the phone book or call Kay beforehand and say, but to, to have it done so that I don't have to debate whether or not I'm going to do it. Um, because for some reason, and I've heard this from a lot of people in the program, um, you know, it's, it seems harder to stay sober. Uh, and do the things I need to do to stay sober, not just kind of coast along when I'm away. So one aspect of it for me is just making sure that um, I'm doing the things I need to do for my program. Most summers we go out to Colorado for a week, and I always schedule in a meeting, and I never want to leave my family to go to the meeting, and I go to the meeting. It's, it's weird. I've been doing this for 20 years. You think, like, I'd get it by now, and, but you know, I'm always at the meeting thinking, boy, I'm glad I came to this meeting. I really needed a break, and this is such a great meeting. And then I come home and, you know, bear back to where we're staying, and, and, and everything's great. So part of it for me is just remembering that, yes, I need to leave everything else behind to really be on vacation, but this program comes with me. Um, the other part of it I want to talk about is, is, and I suspect is more what they had in mind, although I, I don't know, uh, is the actual relations uh, with my wife and kids when I'm on vacation. You know, I'm pretty much of a type A personality, so that if I'm with a group of people and they say, what do you want to do? I'm the guy who says, well, why don't we do this? 
I'm, or that. I'm not the type that says, I don't care, what do you guys want to do? And uh, I remember, let's see, oh two. so five and a half years ago, we took a trip out to the East Coast here. And by car, we drove. It would probably be my last driving vacation. <laughs> and uh, uh, I'm pretty good with maps and directions, but I hate to get lost. I don't know what it is. If I if I know where I'm going, I'm fine. But if I'm driving and I don't know where I'm going, I get scared. And when I get scared, I usually get angry at whoever happens to be foolish enough to be with me when I've gotten scared, which generally is my wife and kids. Uh, and, you know, we had a nice trip in some ways on that trip, but I got scared and I got angry and then I struggled with fear and anger for the entire, whatever it was, 10, 12 days. So I'd have two good days and a bad day. Two good days and a bad day. And by the end of it, I was exhausted. My kids were probably exhausted. And I know for sure because she told me that my wife was exhausted. And um, I decided I needed different rules for vacation than I did when I was home. And probably these rules would be great when I'm home too, but because I'm a human being and I'm not perfect, uh, uh, and also because I really do believe uh, that there's a difference between regular time and what I call sacred time, and that I have to behave differently at, at those times. Um, I tried an experiment, and I'm guessing it was probably the year after this driving trip out, out east, which had, it's like I said, in some ways gone well, but in some ways really gone poorly. I mean, I had a total rage attack in a hotel over a board game. I mean, I'm embarrassed to admit this. Over a board baseball game that I set up my fielders wrong, and I blamed my wife because she kept interrupting me. And I, and I literally started screaming to the point where my wife and kids left the room. And it would have been appropriate for me to leave the room. <laughs> but seeing them as the problem, they left the room. And, you know, it took, it took days to clean that up. And uh, it was a mess. So the next year when we were going out to Colorado, uh, and I didn't come up with this on my own, somebody said, you know, why don't you just not criticize your wife for a week? No matter what she says, no matter what she does, why don't you not disagree with her for a week, no matter what she says, no matter what she does? Um, and as best as you can, if stuff's really coming up and you need to talk to somebody, why don't you call back home to me, your sponsor, and not talk to your wife about it? I get that normally give and take, but this is a vacation. Why don't you let her have one? He didn't say this, but I could read between the lines. Why don't you let her have one from you? Or at least the part of you that complains and criticizes and overburdens her with your your stuff. So I said, well, that sounds completely and utterly impossible, but I'll, I'll give it a try. And uh, I made it until we lost the plane tickets on the way back and we're looking through the trunk of the car and I just lost it. <laughs> Once again, I'm sort of lost and scared and I'm screaming and, you know. Uh, but for the whatever it was, week plus that we were out there, uh, it had this amazing thing happen. I had the greatest time. I just had a ball. And I don't know if this happened consciously or unconsciously, but I started asking my wife and kids, well, what do you want to do? I don't really care what we do, which was very new for me. You know, um, I, I'm, I like to schedule things and know exactly what I'm doing when, which is okay, but there's a little control in it. And it was just like, does it really matter? You know, does it really matter where we are or what we're doing? And, uh, and then, uh, 
that was probably 03 or 04. So since then, with you know varying degrees of success, uh, I've learned that uh, particularly when I'm on a vacation, that if I can be quiet and ask my wife and kids what they want to do, and if there's something I really want to do, like, okay, we're going to be here a week, and this is the one thing I really want to do, let them know before we go, stick it in the schedule there, and then say, other than that, guys, what do you guys feel like doing? And uh, my kids really appreciate it. I think they're a little surprised because they're used to me saying, well, I'd like to do this and that. Uh, my wife really appreciated it. And last year we went out to Colorado and um, had what I would call as close to the so-called perfect vacation, you know, <laughs> like really perfect, as in, you know, we got along. It wasn't a big deal. It was nice, you know, um, that uh, I can ever remember having. Um, and I, like I say, I'm a, I'm a guy, I love to talk. Uh, I find myself endlessly fascinating, you know, and I think that my wife should too, you know. <laughs> and uh, um, so that shift uh, is something that uh, has really created some really sacred times that I don't think my kids will forget. I don't think my wife will forget, and, and I know that I won't. And uh, it really required saying, when I'm on vacation, I have to have a different set of rules. Uh, not that I couldn't apply them when I'm home, but to really make a special effort to say this: this is not regular time. This is this is sacred time. And one way I can do that, uh, if I can steal a line from scripture, it's a line I like to use a lot when I'm in a good place and I'm thinking straight uh, about my relationship with my wife, which is. She must increase, I must decrease. Um, and when I remember that, which is, you know, nowhere near as much as I'd like, but, but more and more, when I remember that, in general, things go well. And when, when I make a, a specifically conscious effort um, on vacation, and that means, you know, like the first year I did it, <clears throat> pulled it off, except for the, like I said, when we lost the tickets at the end, there had to be at least two to three times a day that my natural impulse to say, yeah, we could do this, but wouldn't it be better to do that? Or why didn't you clean up this? Or just some little negative thing that would have opened the door. Um, that, you know, and so in other words, it was a lot of work because it wasn't what I was used to doing. Um, but it really felt great to be able to pull it off, you know, to come to the end of a week and say, oh my God, I just went a whole week without complaining, criticizing, babbling, <laughs> whatever. Uh, and, and it went great. So, um, that to me, uh, created space. And also the thing about not needing to be sort of in control of what happened so that, um, we were playing this miniature golf game, and my son is—he's 19 now. Uh, he's very, very competitive with me, and I, I frankly don't know where he gets it. You know, <laughs> it's not his mother or his sister, and that only leaves one guy left. But anyway, uh, we were playing this miniature golf game, and he was getting upset. Which it's too bad. I wish he hadn't. But I was so happy that it was him and not me. It was—it was a gift that I was able to be detached and to act like a father and say, well, maybe if you tried this, you'd feel better, whatever. And he wanted none of it, and then just to leave him alone uh, instead of me being the guy getting upset. 
but also um, it created space to really have conversation with my wife and kids either together at a meal or you know just taking a walk with one of them whomever it might be at a given time and finding there was more space to really hear uh, who they were and what they wanted to do and what was going on in their life um, and all of that so um, that's my 10 minutes or whatever thank you thank you Okay. 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 So um, we will now open the floor for sharing. Uh, because our common welfare comes first, here are the guidelines uh, for sharing during the meeting. If you wish to speak, please wait to be recognized. Uh, no crosstalk, please. Uh, please keep your sharing to two or three minutes allowing everyone a time to share. Um, please stay close to the microphone. You might want to sit there. Um, and speak clearly. Uh, our purpose in sharing is to discuss our experience, strength, and hope in recovery. We focus on the uh, SA 12-step approach to recovery. We don't discuss our other 12-step programs, philosophies, therapies, or occupation. We avoid mentioning specific titles or authors of publications other than SA or AA conference-approved literature. We also avoid using a, uh, abusive language or sexually explicit descriptions. Our emphasis is on recovery, the solution, and using the steps in our daily lives. Um, please remember that this meeting is taped. Okay, the floor is open. Who wants to start? I'm Willow Great for Recovering Sexaholic. We have a couples meeting going on in the Cleveland area, and my wife and I have chaired it several times, and this has been a topic because I have a problem on vacations. And so I've heard from many of them when they saw this session, oh, there's one you've got to go to. <laughs> and um, I never thought I'd see it on a program at a conference. Um, the main problem being is... Um, I grew up in a family where my parents were unhappily married for 60 years, and they fought pretty much constantly except when they weren't talking. And um, to go, we never really went on week-long vacations or anything, but just to go to like the amusement park, and it would be a bit of a drive, they would argue about which way to go, the scenic route or the fast route, and it would go from there. So as a little kid, I would have all this anticipation, this fun day that was coming up, and it would really get squashed because they would have the fight, and it'd be like just more of the same, more of the same, and then, you know you build up this anticipation, and then it would just be like being crushed, and it was very hard. So anyhow, I didn't really want to you know perpetuate that, but unfortunately, I have perpetuated that with my wife, and we figured it out, or you know we're starting we're. This was a big enough problem with me and rage on vacation that, I mean, it got me back into therapy. And um, because, 
you know, I'm, I've been in the program 18 years. I have eight years of sobriety, and I'm doing a lot better in a lot of areas. But this was not an area that I was doing better, and I would have these rage attacks. And I was like, what is going on? And I very much relate to the issue of control and that I want it my way. And I'm used to in my daily life having it my way, my time, et cetera, et cetera. My wife is used to doing her own thing, too, and she um, supervises about 100 people. So it's very difficult for her to switch modes, too, and not be in charge. <laughs> and so it's just, um, you know, agony waiting to happen. And um, we, I finally accept at this time that she cannot read a map, but she has a good sense of direction, and I can read a map, and I have a terrible sense of direction. And so we're working a little more as a team. We actually made it here. We drove together, and the first question people had with us, well, how'd the trip go? Because we drove here from Cleveland, and we did not fight. We actually um, clinked glasses at the Friday night uh, dinner that we didn't fight. And um, one little tool I've used a, co a couple times was... Um, taking a roll of duct tape and tying it to the rearview mirror. And that's for me to remember to keep my mouth shut. And we both sort of make a pact that um, we just have this thing. And I guess it is what was touched on, that we're both kind of afraid and scared. You know, it's because it's usually the beginnings and the endings of the trips that are the hardest parts. <laughs> and it's like I'm out of my environment, my normal structure, and... Um, that's I lash out, you know, because I just feel uh, the word is annihilation. If she's not going to go along with my way, then that means she's totally against me, and I have to push my way. And it's just it's sad, but um, it's true. And um, unfortunately, it was probably about the last trip we did as a family. My kids are older now, and we go to Myrtle Beach every year with my extended family. And I have five siblings. We all get along pretty well, but it's Again, my problem, if I'm out of, uh, I'm not in my regular structure time, I have a hard time with that. I think I'm a little bit of a workaholic, and um, I need to be, I need to have structure. So I still, I, I put that structure into the vacation now. Um, I do my reading, you know, I get on my knees in the morning, ask God to keep me sober, etc. thank him at night, I do my two pages of readings. And I, too, I'll call central office ahead of time. There was a group down in North Myrtle Beach that we really enjoyed um, meeting with them. I don't know if it's going right now. It wasn't the last time we were down there. But we'd make a point of it going to that meeting uh, in the middle of the week. She'd have her meeting. I'd have mine. And, um, you know, still working a program in that way. Um, but but this, this last trip that we had, uh, I lost it. Uh, my daughter wasn't, uh, my youngest daughter, uh, who could have driven. We were all taking turns driving. Because that's the other thing I do, which is really stupid, is because I'm a workaholic and I always have too many things going on. I would bring, like, all the bills to you to do, which is, you know, always the greatest thing to do <laughs> at the beginning of your vacation, <laughs> you know, to be working on that in the back seat. And, you know, I'm real happy then. And, um, but everybody was doing their part driving because we have all these teenage drivers and, you know, I trust them enough. And, uh, but she wouldn't drive. And then, you know, I was like, well, can you make me a sandwich? And she was going to give me a hard time about making a sandwich. And, um, she plopped mustard on it, like a big blob of it. 
and when I, uh, of course, I was doing bills, and the thing is, you know, I don't buy a lot of clothes because we're trying to save money, two kids in college and everything, and it plops on my lap, this this mustard, and I just totally lost it. I went into a rage, and I did go to the rage session. That was another one very good for me, and I just ground it into her, and then other kids started throwing sandwiches and everything. It was a big mess, and we're in this caravan of family and we all stop and we like fall out it's like the clowns coming out of the Volkswagen or something and just with mustard and it was a big mess and I had to go for the rest of the trip and drive in another car and I felt like a real jerk and that is what made me decide time to go back into therapy because um and and you know we don't emphasize that but I mean I need everything to get better and I get to my meetings and I get all the help I can possibly get and um we're getting down to the bottom of it, but so I would say it's about maintaining structure for me. I still need structure. What others have said in terms of letting go and, um, you know, what do they want to do? And just wanting to be with them and recognize that we could be creating lifelong, wonderful memories instead of dad being a jerk. So with that, I pass. Adrian G., Grateful Recovering Sexaholic. And I'd just like to uh, share something with you in regards to a family vacation. Um, many years ago, and sort of with the, um, sort of my experience from that experience, <clears throat> was we, I, I had my, I'm, I was separated, at the, divorced at the time, and had my three children. And sometimes when I'm with my children, I'm just like a child, which isn't a bad thing. You know, it's like they're singing and joking and there's all kinds of runkus in the car, and I love it. But when my energy level drops, they are insane. I, I just don't have any tolerance to it. And it took me a long time to recognize this, that sometimes it was okay for them and sometimes it wasn't. And I realized this was about me, not about my children. Well, the last time that happened, I just had a major blowout and we're on a four-lane highway. And it's not good to be losing it when there's all this traffic and so forth. And what was really, you know, what dad really needed was a rest. You know, I needed some time out. You know, I needed to pull into that last stop and, and have a little rest, but I didn't do that. So I remember making amends to the, the uh, children that day and making a commitment not to do that again. It was just, and I was in therapy uh, for a long time at that time, and I think that's one of the reasons why I realized the kind of trauma that I was, you know, instilling on my children. So after that, this is what I learned to do. You know, I'd be driving along, and I'd say to the kids, okay, uh, Dad needs a little rest, okay? So if you can, you know, just be quiet for a little bit, and I'm going to have a 15-minute nap in the car and uh, when we're done. But I gave them a choice of staying in the car and 
staying amongst themselves. I didn't want children running all over the highway. Or I could get out of the car and go for a little walk and lay down in the field and, you know, and rest for 15 minutes. And you know what? They were as quiet as mice. And, the, and, and we did that. We had done that a number of times after that. But it just didn't occur to me what the solution was. And I had the same uh, experience at camp. It's like I would need my quiet time. See, I, was, I only had my children on weekends and vacations. But I, I wasn't used to children got, being around my children and got all wound up. So on this occasion, I recognized after supper I just needed some nice peace and quiet. And there just wasn't room in the camp for that. So I give the children the option. Okay, I said, you can stay in the camp, do the dishes, and I'll go for a walk, or vice versa. And they were out of there like flies, and I had the whole camp to myself. So it's just a matter of being uh, creative to create, you know, what I needed to take care of myself rather than going ballistic and um, and you know blowing my stuff out sideways and I was also a, a, like a power of example for my children uh, so I'll leave it at that Hi, I'm Latasha, and I'm a grateful recovering sexaholic. Um, when I first thought of um, a family vacation and what that means for my recovery, for me, as um, I guess a younger single person in SA, going on vacation, kind of going back to my childhood home, which is the physical um, place of my fear and my resentment and my anger. So, and uh, I'm originally from from New Jersey. So the closer I get to New Jersey, my anxiety level kind of um, kind of rises. And this conference has been really great for me. Um, it's my first one being in Newark because I can identify with um, with other sexaholics in in the in the state where I usually feel more um, more discomfort and. Um, it's been a great experience. I don't have to worry about people liking me because I identify with most people here at the what I see as the worst part of myself. So now that that's out of the way, um, it's just been it's just been great getting to hear people's stories and um, just feeling one with all of you. Um, one of the things that I've realized in moving out of my my parents' home is that um, I no longer have a private space when I go back. So bringing home literature in order to stay in recovery when I'm on vacation is not really not really an option. I have um, there are younger people in my my house and um, kind of go through my my suitcase or um, my other belongings to see if they can find something to play with, and a white book is probably not the best thing <laughs> for them to find. Um, 
So the, the tools that I've, I've used in order to stay in recovery when I'm on vacation have been just to, um, to really stay in touch with my sponsor. I have her number on speed dial um, in case any triggering events happen while I'm on vacation. Um, and it's also just helped in general being in the program. And um, when I go home, it's not it's not so much about my family members and how much I resent them anymore as what I need in my recovery. And I've been able to just accept them as they are and serve them, knowing that by serving them, I'm working on um, I'm working on my own sexaholism and resentment and and fear and being able to grow as an adult and um, as a peer to them now that I'm no longer one of the little ones running around the house. Um, and yeah, so I'm just very thankful for all of you and for this program in, um, in overcoming those obstacles at home. So thank you. Hi, I'm Mike, and I'm a grateful recovering sexaholic. Hey, Mike. I really appreciate the shares that I'm hearing. Uh, I can relate to a lot of it, particularly when I think about what I used to do with my kids when we went on vacations well prior to me getting into this program and even admitting that I was a sexaholic. I would do terrible things like you know, bring them down to the beach and then take pictures of them being very mindful of what was in the background because that's what I really wanted to capture in the camera. And, you know, once those films came back, uh, trying to explain to my wife, oh, that was an accident. I was looking at the kids. I wasn't looking at her. And it was, it was really embarrassing. But again, not even realizing how sick I was. Now my kids are a lot older, so we don't go on family vacations anymore. They're all married and off on their own. And when my wife and I go on vacations, knowing that I am a sexaholic now, our vacations have changed. We never go to the beach anymore, except in the winter, because she recognizes that's still a challenge for me. I'm not ready to handle that challenge yet. I wish I could, but I can't, and I'm honest with her about that. Uh, when we took a cruise recently, we picked the ship that the average age was 75 years old. Hopefully, there wouldn't be too many triggers there for me. Uh, but just to be sure, whenever I had to go from one end of the ship or the other, I would walk down about four levels. So I would never walk on the deck where the pool was or where the sunbathing was. And these are just adjustments that I've had to make because I'm not as healthy as, I, as I'd like to be. And it's, it's still a challenge. Uh, as the person who just shared before, always have my cell phone with me. And I have many, many numbers in there on speed dial. So if I'm in trouble, I definitely call. Uh, one of the things I found very helpful, uh, particularly if you're in a foreign country or if you're in a place where you haven't had time to find a meeting, is I use our phone meetings. There's a whole published list of them, and they run several times a day, every day of the week. And it's just a way to get connected back into the program, share whatever you're going with on that particular day, and it really does help. Uh, in some cities, I've gone to other 12-step meetings. I've been to AANA meetings, which are very different than SA meetings. Uh, the first time I went to one, I was in San Francisco, and it was a shock for me. But 
the same level of acceptance that we have with other SA people, I found in those rooms as well. And again, it just made it that much clearer to me why sobriety is so important. So again, it, it's it's really just doing the steps. It, it's doing you know the things that we're told to do all the time: go to meetings, go to steps, keep on the phone. And until I'm ready, and I'm blessed that my wife understands this and is willing to put up with this, not go to places that are loaded with potential triggers for me, because I'm just not ready to handle it. And someday I hope I will be. I don't know. But uh, the last vacation we took, it was in the summer. I was very concerned. So we went to the northern coast of Iceland. <laughs> I had a wonderful time. The temperature never got higher than 45 degrees. I had no triggers. And we had a great vacation because of it. And most ships have Bill W. programs on them, so there's always a way to at least get a little 12-step into you. Thank you. Hi, I'm Chris. I'm a sexaholic. Um, my wife and I have four children, and we're still doing summer vacations at the beach when the kids are out of school, and it is a challenge. Um, but it's what I did when I was little, and in, in, in some ways it's neat. Um, we view the vacation as a change in venue with a loss of infrastructure, and for that reason it's hard, but with the person said about bringing the program with you has worked for me. Um, we also found it necessary to set boundaries. Um, our kids are kind of like between 5 and 11, and they're pretty good at adapting. And where we've been going to the beach is um, kind of away from the seashore, so it's in that regard a little bit safer than right on top of the beach, which, which doesn't work at all. But it's my older brother's house that he, he bought from my grandmother's estate, and it's like a family heirloom. So it attracts um, members of my family. And my next older brother is pretty good about it. I offer to do some yard work, like paint the back of the house or something, and, and we stay for the week for free, which is, you know, that, that's, that's a good thing. But my eldest brother, um, who's got a lot of problems and no programs and a revolving door of relationships in his life, many faceted problems with that individual and he comes to the beach house and we, we can't keep him away so he, he made a complete disaster of one vacation one summer and uh, so we resolved to set a boundary that we, we would not let him know when we were going to this beach house and I had to say to my parents and to my siblings do not tell him respectfully and, and honestly just please don't and we went down and, and had a really nice time. And, um, you know, I, I love my brother. I just don't like him in my vacation. And so um, in that regard, I, I say keep going on vacations and keep pushing the envelope. But i, I got to take the program with me, the cell phone, the literature. It's all important. I can't do anything without, without the program in my life. Um, but we went camping, and camping is hard with little children. But um, we got up. I got up early one morning with someone who had to go to the bathroom, and we're out in the woods, and I got my little five-year-old daughter there in her pink nightgown, 
out in the woods and we're going to go to, to a latrine and go to the bathroom. And, and that was a wonderful picture, but um, on the way there, we were, we were surrounded by these little brown bats that are like the size of your thumb, and they circled us, and they were like right in front of our face, and they don't make a sound. And, you know, my, my five-year-old daughter really got a kick out of that. She said, this is so neat, Dad. And, um, you know, if I didn't have the program I, and, and I wasn't willing to take it on vacation, I, I don't think I could have seen that. I couldn't have, couldn't have experienced it. It was, it was just such a cool thing to happen, which is what I think vacations are all about. So I don't think staying at home is the answer, and I certainly need to take the program with me wherever I go. Thanks. I'm Alan, a sexaholic. Uh, reason I came to this uh, particular meeting is um, just to show that recovery works. Tomorrow is um, after 25 years of marriage is my first family vacation that we're going on. And uh, that's why my wife's not here this weekend. It's just too hectic to get everything together. And... Um, That's this huge. I can't say I've never been, haven't been away on a day trip or, or the such, but as a family, we've never gone away. So recovery works. So I wanted to hear, I thought, wow, look at this. I've never seen this at a convention. You know, let me come in here. And I really, really appreciate the shares. Um, really appreciate the letting go of control. Just to recap for myself, what I've heard is it's just not important what um, attractions we go to because it's not about the attractions. The attractions is us. And um, I don't know if I'll be able to get to a meeting, but it's definitely something to look into. But um, there's a phone meetings. And when I go away, even when we go away on... Um, on a day trip or something like that, I do make phone calls. So my cell phone has saved my life. And that was a good reminder, again. Um, but for me, the reminder is to to let go and just enjoy, you know. And that can't happen without sobriety. I know that. Because I don't... When I'm not sober, I don't appreciate myself. And if I don't appreciate myself, I can't appreciate anybody else. And uh, just the fact that we're doing this and uh, with teenagers, um, that's a miracle. So just want to share it. Thanks. Hi, I'm Jeff. I'm a sex addict. And uh, I was outside the room. I saw not very many people, so I thought maybe I shouldn't go to this meeting. But uh, I saw Alan, and I, a familiar face. I said, you know what? I was probably meant to, to be here. And uh, I am um, married with four kids, four boys, so very challenging uh, vacations. I wish my, my wife is here, but she's not here. I wish she was at this meeting. And uh, I look at uh, my vacations before recovery, 
and it was filled with triggers. Um, and I ha- I'm, a, I'm a sex addict and I also am a workaholic. And it triggered both because I had my own business and, you know, the, the women, um, you know, the places we were, they would just trigger the, the sex addict in me. And the justification, we're on vacation, we're spending all this money, it, it gave me excuse why I should be away working. Uh, and I spent a lot of time on vacations on the computer calling. I wouldn't even put um, let customers know that I was on vacation and my justification was I, I you know I need this and in in essence I would just feed my own addiction with that so um, I think uh, in in those nine years I would always come back from vacation not feeling refreshed um, I would have resentment because I felt we spent too much money my wife spent too much money I didn't have any say in the vacation, um, and it, there was nothing to it. After the program, I, the last couple years, our vacations for me, and I think for the whole family, have been the best we've ever done. And um, part of it is just, you know, with all those triggers taken away, I'm just present, and that's what I was never present at at the vacations and. Another thing is, I was the opposite. I wasn't assertive on vacation. I would let my wife tell me exactly where we're going. And part of it was, I like to be the martyr. And, you know, if it didn't go well, I could say, oh, I, you know, why did we do this? And, uh, um, and now I'm learning, you know. And I also had a fear, you know, she wasn't going to do what I wanted to do. And, I realize now she she wants me to be assertive and she wants me to you know to, to speak up and and uh, be part of the planning and and uh, everything about the vacation. So um, the program has you know made vacations and our family life so much better. It's still always a challenge and uh, and the other blessing I have for me is I got in the program early enough that I think I cannot pass, you know, or, or not pass on a lot of those traits that uh, were magnified during vacations um, to my kids, you know, to, to make them realize vacations about family and, and uh, being together and enjoying each other. So, thanks. Someone like to speak again? Hi, I'm Charlie. I'm a sexaholic. Um, let's see. I would say vacations for me more or less uh, centered around, I guess, growing up as a family, going on vacations. My father definitely was a rageaholic. So I think that there were plenty of instances where being the only, the youngest boy in the family, had my two older sisters, 
you know, I started modeling that behavior. And uh, when I was, this is kind of amusing, um, but when I was 18, 17, I just got my car, and uh, my father would always get rageful in traffic. And I was, I was dating a girl, and we went to a restaurant in New Jersey that my aunt owned, and uh, we had traffic. And you know, I immediately started modeling the behavior of my father. And you know, she had we had I had done this numerous times with uh, with her before, and this one particular time, she just started hysterically laughing at me. And the more she was laughing at me, the angrier <laughs> I was getting. And, and and finally, in the midst of my anger, I just started cracking up and realized right then and there, and it was like a great blessing in disguise that this is crazy behavior. <laughs> This does not make any sense at all. Me getting upset and angry over traffic is not going to change the fact that there's traffic. That was probably like the first surrender. It was like an accidental one. Um, but uh, now I have, I've really always kept that lesson with me. And uh, in terms of vacations, I would do a lot of day trips and, and drive. And I have bad feet now. So when I'm driving, my... Uh, I live in the city, but my girlfriend has a car and she's an automatic, so I have to drive her car. And, you know, shifting in gears when there's a lot of traffic really bothers my feet. And uh, I found myself more or less getting angry when we'd go on like, little trips here and there and complain about my feet rather than just asking her. And finally, it just dawned on me, like, you know what? Do you mind driving? Like, it was a simple solution, but, you know, I had to be machismo or whatever you want to say, controlling, or I wanted to feel like I had a right to complain and, and make things bad. And there was no reason for me really to do that when I simply, all I had to say was, you know, do you mind driving because my feet are in a lot of pain right now and just express the need that I have rather than trying to, uh, to you know, use it as an excuse to uh, to to. express any anger I have in me whether it was about that or about something else I would use it as an excuse to to you know be able to find a reason to get angry and uh, I don't really consider myself a racial person but I do in those situations find myself acting inappropriately and uh, you know I'm grateful that I'm aware of that and it's only you know from that one experience when I was a kid but also realizing that this is part of my addiction as well so thanks. Adrian G., uh, still a grateful recovering sexaholic. I'm, I appreciate what I, um, what I heard about the cruise because I'm going on a cruise uh, in a little over a week. Haven't been on a cruise before. Uh, but one thing occurred to me. I'm going on a vacation with my wife, my stepson, and his wife, and our grandchild. And my stepson doesn't know I'm a sexaholic. So, you know, if you're going on a vacation with someone and they don't know, and you know, it's like, and you, 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 I could be setting myself up, you know, if I'm not. Because, you know, it's like, okay, I'm uncomfortable here. Uh, should I say something? Or, you know, well, I'm not going to join you for lunch because, or, you know, <laughs> you know, all these different things. I could really be setting myself up if I'm not, and I'm quite comfortable letting them know, but I was like, 
And he may know because I've got literature all over the house. I don't hide anything. But he's never asked. He knows I go to meetings. doesn't ask what kind. My children know. But I've never, you know, disclosed to to my uh, stepson or his wife. So uh, I just want to put that out there because, you know, this could be... Maybe someone else needs to think about that. I certainly just (laughs) realized I need to think about it, and that was the reason for putting it out. I'm Dennis Sexaholic. Hey, Dennis. This has been a really good meeting for me. I'm very surprised, and I don't know why exactly, but um, somehow I thought this was going to be about getting together with family and how they torture you, you know? And and, um, how horrible it is, you know? And, uh, you know... That's what I thought it was going to be about. Everybody's talking. To me. But it's been very comforting for me to hear everybody speak. And uh, I enjoy going on uh, vacations with my wife. And it's a big deal for me. Uh, I love this, I love culture. And I love language and history. And so I love seeing things. But I also think it, in a way, for me, it's a part of my disease because uh, I used to travel a lot. And... Uh, why I escaped travel. I had a backpack and traveled around the world, but it was it was it was all tied in with the disease, and it was really uh, it was, ended up being very destructive and deceptive to me because I thought, well, this isn't doesn't count as acting out because I'm in this wonderful foreign country. But anyways, it was very destructive, and uh, so. Um, My wife doesn't have the need to see things. I, I have this need to see things, but it might just be disease, you know. But I, I just love to see historical buildings and why this is built this way and uh, what that means in the culture, you know, and why these people built in this style. And uh, But I get a little obsessive about it. And um, But I enjoy vacations with, with uh, my wife very much and... Uh, with extended family, not at all, basically. <laughs> and it's good for me to hear everybody share about boundaries and, um, you know, that uh, you can love your brother but not have to be on a vacation with him, you know. And they're just things that, that, you know, people share where you, you can take care of yourself in a way that it's good for everybody, including yourself. Thank you. Tom, I'm a sexaholic. And, uh, I, uh, I came here because the other meeting was too crowded. <laughs> and uh, this turned out to be a very good meeting. I, uh, uh, families and vacation, those two words wouldn't go together, I was thinking. and uh, But uh, my thoughts were uh, what I learned about vacations growing up. Uh, my father was a 
I, and I realize now I learned uh, vacations were dangerous things, uh, very stressful things. And I learned that they weren't for me. They, uh, they were complicated things that other people did, people who knew how to have fun. And this was very dangerous, I learned. Uh, that my father was a, a very uh, stressed out man. Uh, I think he had agoraphobia. He didn't like other people. And uh, taking his kids on vacation, he I think he was very angry that he had to do that because we put him into these uh, situations with other people that made him very uncomfortable. And uh, he beat us a lot. There was a lot of beatings on uh, the vacations. And um, he did. He just didn't know how to do those things. Uh, and uh, there was six of us, and it was like just very, very uh, chaotic, stressful, and uh, a lot of a lot of beatings. And uh, it was always because of something that uh, you know we did that uh, you know we had to be punished for or whatever. But um, so, anyways, that was that was uh, my concept of a vacation, and. Uh, <clears throat> I really didn't go on any vacations uh, until, you know, pretty far into my adult life. Uh, now I like going on vacations. I uh, travel with my wife. We we enjoy our trips very much, but they can. I can catch myself getting into this, what I call my pathology of stress around these things, and I'll, I'll start acting out what my father acted out, uh, traffic jams. I can still remember in recovery being in a car with people. And uh, we, we got in a traffic jam, and I was, like, observing them. You know, they, like, uh, you know, and I catch myself thinking, like, well, when are they going to, like, uh, go insane? <laughs> we're, we're in a traffic jam here. And uh, they, uh, you know, and I, I wound up thinking that they were stupid. They, they, you know, they didn't know enough to go insane. Don't, don't they see we're in a traffic jam? You know, when are they going to go crazy? You know? And uh, so this would play itself out in airports. Uh, restaurants, hotels, uh, you know, it, it was it was just like one impending catastrophe after another, you know. And, uh, so, uh, really, it's it's learning how to enjoy myself. Uh, we go on cruises. We like to go. We go every year. This year, we're going to go on a, like a 20-day cruise to uh, South America, Africa, Europe. I watch myself on the cruises. Uh, I uh, got married in recovery. My wife knew I was a sexaholic. Uh, she goes over. Uh, she goes to Overeaters Anonymous, which at first I thought was a diet club, but now I, I went to some of their meetings and I realized these people are addicts. And my wife more accurately refers to herself as a food addict. So she's a big uh, a big support for me. Um, and you know I watch what I do uh, on the cruise ships. You know I avoid uh, certain things. There was. Uh, an instance of uh, the cruise line we were on, they didn't allow top, topless bathing, and uh, there was some topless bathing. I complained. I had to complain adamantly about it. I had to go down, get the officer, bring him up. He put a stop to it. And it was very, very empowering to me to do that. Uh, very empowering. Uh, the cruise line, they want to like uh, say that their policy is it's not allowed, but at the, at the, at the same time, they, they, I think they, they uh, you know, they condone it. But anyways, that did happen. And, and that was somehow empowering for me to do that. It was like standing up to my addiction somehow. And um, 
um, so many ways, those are my thoughts about that. Thank you. I'm Will Case, still a sexaholic, and um, just a little coda to uh, what my sponsor calls the mustard incident is when I told him about it, you know, when I was talking about it, I called him about it, and he thought I had killed somebody because I really was remorseful. It, it, I was embarrassed, and um, but I'm so grateful for the tools of the program, things like the 10th step, so I could make amends. We could talk about it. We could talk about it as a family. You know, I could apologize and make it better, and it actually was a vehicle for us to talk about some issues. So, um, you know, grateful for the program. I'm still a sexaholic. I still have character defects, but I have tools that to address these problems. So with that, I pass. Thanks. Thanks. I'd like to thank the speakers, uh, Mike, appreciate it, uh, and the participants for sharing their experience, strength, and hope. Remember, this is an anonymous program. Anonymity is the spiritual foundation of our traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. The stories you hear are told in confidence and should be treated uh, as confidential. Please keep the names, addresses, and phone numbers of anyone you meet about NSA to yourself. What we say here, let it stay here. Um, after a moment of silence um, for the sick and suffering inside and outside of these rooms, uh, let us close the meeting uh, with the third step prayer. I would like to thank you for listening to this episode of The Daily Reprieve, the best source for experience, strength, and hope for SA members. Please subscribe to this podcast to be alerted of new episodes. Please show your support by donating to The Daily Reprieve by going to donate.thedailyreprieve.com and choosing either monthly donations or a one-time donation by clicking Donate Now. Thank you for listening and stay tuned for the next episode of The Daily Reprieve.